Let us begin our sermon with prayer. Gracious Lord, as we look into the unknown of the year and all the years to come, we ask you to remain our shelter from this world of sin and bring us safely to our eternal home before your throne. As we live each day of the coming year, let us be guided by your word and wisdom until we arrive safely in your heavenly mansion. Whether it's the joy or the hardships in the days that lie before us, give us the faith to see your hand working all things for our eternal well-being and the eternal well-being of all your elect. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our text for our sermon is Psalm 5, verses 11 through 12. But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them sing for joy forever. You cover them with protection, so those who love your name rejoice in you. Yes, you bless the righteous, Lord. You surround them with your favor as a shield. This is the word of our Lord. Saturday was New Year's Day, and every time as New Year's builds up, I start thinking back of all the things that I did see coming and I didn't see coming in the past year, the blessings and the hardships. And I have to admit that this year, I actually thought back to two years ago. Two years ago, when I was writing the New Year's Eve sermon, there was talk about COVID. It seemed to me it escaped from a lab in Wuhan, but it really wasn't here yet. It was no big deal. By that March, we'd be closing down our church. The sad thing is, subsequently since then, the saying goes with the media, and it, it, it is a saying that's over 100 years old. It predates television. If it bleeds, it leads. People don't buy newspapers. People don't run to news channels, usually to hear good news, unless it's something like a major war is over. What brings them in is the horror. And the sad thing is, at the same time, while that sells newspapers and gets viewers, it works us up into a panic. And we had a lot of things we didn't know with COVID, but it's almost funny anymore, and I don't mean to make light of COVID, to listen to how our media is constantly trying to work us up into a panic. Uh, panic over just COVID alone. And the funny thing is, like this Omicron variant, everybody's going to die from the Omicron variant again. And, and sometimes those same uh, magazines or newspapers, well, they'll scream about how it really is more contagious. You get to the back page and you find out, while it's way more contagious, it's not killing people. The same scientist in South Africa who found this variant, the Omicron variant, also is recognizing and reporting that it has milder symptoms. It's not hospitalizing people the way Delta and the original uh, coronavirus did. So isn't it funny how so often they're busy making, working us up into a panic over something that some scientists don't take uh, medical or scientific advice from a theologian, from your pastor, but... Isn't it funny how uh, if it's true that it's, it's weaker, it actually may be a better vaccine than the vaccines uh, that are out there. So I, I just bring that up because lots of times our media alone can work us up into a panic. And there's other things we may worry about in the next year. What's this going to do to the market? What's going to happen to retirement accounts and things? So our sermon theme for this uh, beginning of the year is the Lord will be your refuge throughout the new year. And I'm going to preach on my translation of the Hebrew just to bring out a few nuances. At verse 11, it begins by saying, Let all who keep on seeking refuge in you rejoice. A couple of weeks ago, I was walking the family pet in uh, a consistent 30-mile-an-hour wind with 60 to 80-mile-an-hour wind gusts. And 
It happened to blow off some of the equipment I was wearing to protect me from that very wind. Well, in trying to get it all straightened out and having the family pet yanking on the leash and everything and the wind trying to blow gloves out of my hands and the dog wanting to go one way, it was really turning into a mess. But there's a metal shed next to the walking trail I was on and I squatted next to, uh, next to it, just used it as a wind block for a minute and was able then to uh, get everything straightened up and step back into the wind. That's how too many people view God. Just a one-time shelter. Lord, when things get bad and I need a little help, I'll call on you. And, and then when everything's good, don't, don't call us. We'll call you, Lord. But that's not how the Hebrew tense is. It's let all who keep on seeking refuge in you rejoice. You keep seeking refuge in the Lord because you keep coming to his word. You keep bringing your problems to the Lord. You're not just huddling for a minute in a, in a temporary structure to, to give just a temporary block. The Lord to you is the roof over your head. The Lord to you is the heat. He's like a house that you live in all the time because you're constantly there in his word. And you see constantly then an ability to rejoice. Rejoice even in the hard times because you know God is using them. And so he says, let them keep on shouting with joy forever. Now, certainly in all eternity, when we're before the throne of God, we are going to shout with joy. But this is forever. This includes now. Even things like the coronavirus give us reasons to rejoice in the Lord when we have faith. And so he says in verse 11, and you keep on bringing about a barrier upon them. Now, a lot of translations say you keep covering them. And that shows the protection and the shelter of the Lord. But it really was strange to me that the Hebrew verb is a barrier. But one of the places where it is used otherwise is when everything was complete and they assembled the tabernacle for the first time. You know, it was basically a tent. And there was a barrier, is the same verb that's used here that was between the holy place where they offered incense and the showbread was, and the holiest of holies, where only the high priest was allowed to enter once a year. That's where the tabernacle was that held the Ten Commandments, and that once a year he would sprinkle the blood over the mercy seat, over those ten laws to atone for the sins of Israel. So just like that curtain was a barrier, God has a barrier. And I often think about that when I'm thinking pensively about the previous year. How many times did the devil have a plan that he thought was going to knock me off my faith? And God said, you're right. That'll knock Fred right out of his faith. So you're not going to do that. How many times throughout the year did the devil have a plan? Because he wants nothing more than to have us return into unbelief so that we'd be his slaves and burn in hell forever because he wants to destroy God's creation. And God said, you got a whole lot of bad plan there, but I'm going to put up a barrier. I'm going to allow a little bit of that. A little bit because it'll be for my little lamb's good. Lots of times, if we could see how much God held back, we would have plenty of reason to rejoice we often forget to rejoice even when we're grumbling. We don't have any need to grumble because if God has allowed it, there's a purpose for it. It's to show us where our faith is weak or it's to show us where our faith is strong. And I often, I'm very selfish. I forget that sometimes some of the things that, that the hardships that I endure in life, well, they're actually meant for somebody else. It's surprising to me how often when something breaks around the house or a vehicle that I depend on breaks down, how God is using that so that I can witness to the person who's going to do the repair job. And so verse 11 wraps up by saying, and let those who love your name gloat in you. We forget how important God's name is. 
in our two verses that are our sermon text, the only name that's used for God that we translate as Lord is from the Hebrew Yahweh, or as we sometimes pronounce it in English, Jehovah. That is from the Hebrew verb be. It emphasizes that God exists absolutely in and of himself. He's not like the pagan gods where he had to create us so that he could have, so that he could exist, or if we quit believing in him, he quits, he quits existing, or that he needs our prayers, or he needs our sacrifices. God needs none of that. He exists in and of himself. But that's the name he uses with his covenants. For example, the name that he uses for his covenant of salvation with you. Because that name shows that there's nothing that's going to cause God to break his promises. Now, I can't tell you how many times with my children uh, it's been, yeah, I'll fix that toy for you that broke. I promise I'll fix that tonight. And the phone rings. Sometimes off to the hospital, sometimes there till four in the morning and, and, and it was God is calling one of his sheep to eternal glory. Sometimes things beyond my control make me have to break my promises. But there's nothing beyond God's control. And you know another name that God has that we just got finished celebrating is the name Jesus from the Hebrew Yahshua, which means Savior. It emphasizes that God became a man and he did all the work of saving you. He made the right decisions. He lived perfectly holy and then he died so that he could remove your sin, wash it away, and then he rose for you. And then he ascended to heaven where he rules over all creation for you. So to love the name of the Lord really is to call upon the name of the Lord. Now let me tell you about how I botched that here recently, even though I actually love to call on the name of the Lord and gloat in him. I often have people that come to me for pastoral help, and sometimes those people have put themselves in a bad situation uh, by their own uh, sinful nature, and they, they learn their lesson. They're trying to pick themselves up by their bootstraps. And so, for example, I, help, I, I might know somebody who's selling a car that's in their price range or something like that. So there's a young man that I have worked on for years trying to get him to come to church, and in this particular instance, I happen to be involved in getting him uh, a vehicle he could afford. It's not much, but enough to get him by telling him save up some money and get a better vehicle. And as often the case when I find myself in these deals, they forget that I'm not the salesman or the mechanic and the car breaks down and I get the call. So I get this call. This vehicle's broke down the middle of the intersection. This young man struggles with some sins. And so uh, I constantly tell him how the Lord is using those hardships in his life to bring him back to him, back to worship. But he keeps missing that message. But as I try to figure out why his car's not running and then try to figure out how I can at least tow it to a safe place and can't find a place to hook onto it, dawns on me. This young man had called me several times because he'd ran his car out of gas. Where's your gas gauge at? Well, it was between empty and an eighth of a tank. But remember, this is not a brand new car by any means of the word. You've got to be kidding me. I went to get my gas can, fill it up, and several times while he was in my vehicle with me, I was praying, Lord, for everything, let this simply be a gas issue, that his gas gauge is off. Now, I didn't say that prayer out loud, and I wish I would have, because guess what it turned out to be? I could have gloated and said, now, did you hear my prayer? Did you see how God answered that for you? When will you stop this stubborn refusal to come to the Lord? Seek refuge in him. But sadly... I was the only one who heard my prayer. Obviously, God did, and he answered it. But when we call on the name of the Lord, God's names tell us what he does for us. So we're calling, Lord, 
I'm in misery. And we don't have to give the Lord the solution. Just call on that name that represents what he does for us, tells us what he does for us. And so that gives us reason to rejoice. So the Lord will be your refuge throughout the new year. He protects you. He's the shelter so that you do rejoice in him and you will forever. Now, verse 12 continues. It says of the Lord, for you yourself time and time again, bless those who are righteous, O Lord. Now, too many Christians put the cart before the horse when when the Bible says things like this. They think, if I act morally righteous, then God will bless me. But we forget that righteousness is holiness. And unless God puts his Holy Spirit in our heart, we're not holy. We have too much sin. One sin makes us a foul stench to God. No. God took on human flesh, as we were talking about, as I was talking about, to save us. And then he sent somebody to you with the message that you need a savior and you have a savior. And he sent the Holy Spirit to work through those words to create and nourish your faith. But when he created your new man, your new man is engrafted to Christ, as Jesus says in John chapter 15. Your new man has Christ's righteousness. Now, in this life, we also still continue to have a sinful nature. So those who are righteous are believers. And the amazing thing is you already have a blessing from God that you are a believer. And that's all a gift from God. But it doesn't end there. Time and time again, he continues not only giving you the blessing of faith that you have, He continues keeping you in the faith, which is another blessing, but he continues showering you with other blessings. And like I said, oftentimes the hardships in life that I grumble about are actually, I forget, they're blessings from God, keeping me in my faith, helping steering me to use, bring my neighbor into the faith and things like that. So time and time again, the Lord blesses us because we are his children. We're his children because he loves us and he's given us faith. It's not that we chose him, it's that he chose us. And it wasn't that he chose us because we were so lovable. Everybody's sinful. And God does not want anyone to burn in hell. He wants all to be saved. But God specifically planned for you to hear the word, for you to come to faith and to keep you in that faith. We call that the doctrine of predestination or election. And what a blessing that is. Why did God choose me and not my neighbor? Well, if I'm worried about my neighbor, God tells me, go share my word with them, and I'll bless that proclamation. But he tells me, hey, just be grateful I predestined you. (laughs) And I am. That's plenty of reason to rejoice. So he blesses you and, and has given you that faith and given you the righteousness, given you the forgiveness of sin, put his love in your heart so that you're able to love others in a way that's supernatural, that is forgiving. Our sermon text ends by saying, time and time again you surround them with the favor, with your favor as the shield. Now, this psalm was written uh, a few hundred years before the Roman army developed this, but one of the things that made the Roman army very formidable was a maneuver they had where when the order was shouted, uh, the guys in the front, their shield would come to just below their chins, but they'd put their shields down on the ground and they would duck down. And you'd have a whole front row of shields. But the guys on the left, they'd turn their shields to the left and do the same thing. The guys on the right to the right. The guys in the rear would turn their shields to the rear end to protect the rear, do the same thing. Everybody in the middle put their shields on top. The the term they used for this was the turtle because it formed a big shell over the whole group of soldiers. 
and then they'd advance towards the army that was shooting arrows at them, and or they would advance towards the city wall they were besieging. And it was quite a defensive thing. And that's what God does to you. Only the shield is his favor, his love and his grace towards you. He just pours that over you. Like I said, the devil every day wants you to fall from your faith. And God says, oh, no. And when God does allow something to, to come along, it's for your good. And so he's shielding you with his favor. And so the Lord will be your refuge throughout this new year. He blesses you so that you are shielded by his favor. I began this talking about the coronavirus because I've seen our media whip so many people up that they often forget there's even a God. What does the Lord have in mind for this coming year? I don't know. We know Omicron is already here. But whether it's that, whether it's health issues, whether it's the things that we would think of as prosperity, although lots of times the world's prosperity could let us turn into a false god, so God shields us with our favor, by, with his favor by keeping us from having some of that so that we cling to him. But whatever we have, the Lord will be your refuge throughout the new year, as he will be throughout your whole life. He protects you so that you rejoice in him, and he blesses you so that you are shielded by his favor. Amen. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.